0: Log Top Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hey there everybody and welcome to today's program. It's been a while. We took uh some time off for the holidays and then decided that January 2nd was probably not the ideal day to come back on the air. So we are doing our educators panel today. Um and uh we have one of our panel members Uh, on the phone with us already. I'm betting that the other two will call in shortly, but um, uh, how are you doing implementing collaborative problem-solving in your building? Um, I know from talking to one of our panel members that, um, you know, sometimes you get things going and there's great enthusiasm, and then, um, then comes the part where you sort of have to solidify your gains and um, make sure that things last. Hard to make things last in a school building, because um, there's so many initiatives, Um, very hard. We now have two of our panel members who've called in. We might wait for the third, or we'll see um, how we're doing. But uh, how are you doing in your building? You should feel free to call in and um, let the educators panel know how things are going in your building. the number is 646-727-2691, 646-727-2691. Have you gotten on the Lives in the Balance website lately and filled out the school discipline survey? It's there waiting for you. If your building is just getting going on implementing collaborative problem solving, you're you're going to see that you've still got a lot of work to do. If your building has been... Implementing collaborative problem solving for quite some time now. Probably a whole lot less work to do. And if your building hasn't even started yet, my goodness, uh, you got a project ahead of you. But that's probably why you're listening to the program, anyways. Let's um, let's bring our two educator panel members on who have joined us so far. Uh, Nina, I know that you're joining us from Southern Maine, yes?
1: Yep, I'm here.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well, thank
2: you.
0: Good, and I'm having trouble actually bringing um, British Columbia, are you there?
2: Yes, it is. It's
0: Carol. Hi, Carol. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Good. I don't know why I'm getting a different signal here, but uh, good. I'm glad you are with us. How were your holidays?
2: Excellent. gave me a chance to... uh, Oh, think things think deeply for once in a while. Sometimes it's hard to do within the chaos of physical school day.
0: What a luxury. Thinking deeply. What is that like? I forget.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, it gives you a chance to kind of consolidate a lot of things that have been that have been happening and um think about you know, reflect I guess is the good word. Reflecting on how things are going and and how to uh I don't know, get a fresh start sometimes. I see New Year's always as a fresh start. It's almost like a brand new school year where you can kind of get back on track if you've been astray on anything and and uh it's a fresh start for everyone.
0: Good. And what uh care to share what it is that you concluded after you had an opportunity to reflect <coughs> what gonna be doing anything differently? Or are you gonna um well, undergo a lifestyle know. change? What if, do we got here?
2: <laughs> I would say differently. You know, it's it's interesting. I have a little a little sign posted above my desk here, and it says, if you're walking down the right path and you're willing to keep walking, eventually you'll make progress. And sometimes it's hard to uh, remember when you're in the throes of a particularly diff- difficult situation, whether it's with a student or with a staff member, um, because sometimes you can feel like you're not really making that much progress. And, and even though you feel like you're on the right path, especially with um, something as important as, as school discipline or, or developing students' abilities to handle the curves that life throws them. Um, sometimes it can be really hard to kind of stay the course and, and be true to what you believe. Um, so it was a chance for me, I've been reading some different things, and it's a chance for me to um, to get back on that path and say, yes, I know that this is the right thing to do. It's the right thing um, on a lot of levels, whether it's um, just morally, ethically, um, professionally and and to keep going in that direction. So it just kind of gave me a, a grounding, actually, to uh, to keep doing what we're doing.
0: And did you decide that you were going to do anything differently on the basis of the reflecting that you did?
2: Um, I think what I'm going to be trying to do is, is be more explicit about what I am doing. So when I am, um, you know, working with students working and then working with staff, the the, the the way that the model works in our school right now is not the greatest because we, we rarely have time to have um, the teacher and the student and myself and any other people together for a collaborative problem-solving session. Unfortunately, it's very often me and the student, and then I'm, I'm maybe meeting mm. with the teacher later, and then maybe the teacher and the student are getting together after that. Um, so... What I'd like to do differently is is kind of be more explicit and say, you know, in the empathy step this is what we discussed and in the, you know, in the in the invitation step this these are the ideas that the student had and and use, using the language and being um more declarative about about the process. It wasn't just, you know, I had a nice chat with that student and and this is kind of what we came up with, but using the language so that other staff members can become more comfortable with it as well.
0: Great. And, Nina, you were telling me that, um, well, you may have done a little reflecting. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. whether, you know, whether you would call it reflecting, but um, what, what, what happened to you over the break, and what are you going to be doing differently?
1: Well, I also, you know, we. I think um, December was kind of a funny month, and I think things get can get pretty um, crazy, and we've had a couple of pretty, big cases that we're working on, and um, we definitely came back from the break really anxious and excited to um, kind of renew our energy with CPS, because um, just like you were saying, that it is the right thing to do, and it is um, the compassionate thing to do, and it's also the helpful thing to do, and if we stray from that... um, you're, you're, we're just going to be going backwards. So uh, our team really has renewed energy. Um, again, we had a couple of weeks that we weren't meeting together, and I think that is a huge difference when we don't have time together. Uh, as a team, you start to kind of just go in your own direction and maybe even kind of go back on, on go a little bit backwards. Um, and then the other thing is that we've done, you know, a lot of working on um, what we want to do with um, – Particular students and some suggestions we've had from outside um, you know, specialists from our school, and uh, how we really keep following our own path, and, and you know that is what we what we're doing, and with the help of help of you, Ross, too, to get back on that path, and what we can find our voice to say we are we know we're doing the right thing, and uh, it just might take a little more time and. Um, you know, people might see that as philosophical differences, uh, but I also think sometimes that that is because people don't quite understand CPS, not because it's a difference. So we're working on also educating everybody and um, having open discussions and getting more systematic. I think the paperwork and other things can get can get lost, and we need and you know everybody wants to know what to do, so having some some better systems in place. There was a lot of reflecting over break.
0: Well, you know, here's an interesting thing. I mean, your building is participating in a research project in which collaborative problem solving is being implemented. Yep. And as part of the project, we have, and I recommend this even for schools that are not participating in the project, it's just that you've had direct supervision in collaborative problem solving. And to tell you the truth, the direct supervision mostly helps people organize the effort and get good at plan B. And, and deal yeah. with some of the hurdles. And, and in your building, uh, not unlike many other buildings in which collaborative problem-solving is being implemented outside of this project, yeah. um, you have some people who have become highly skilled at Plan B, and you have a cadre of people who are really getting there. But yeah. you also have the rest of the building. And one of the yeah. most difficult uh points in the implementation and solidification of collaborative problem solving in a building is moving from the core group that has really been focused on this for quite a while and gotten half decent at it to the people who you haven't been focusing on and who have been sort of watching from afar. And it's almost like starting all over again. And I find that that's very hard for people who've been living it for a while, to go back to um, almost what feels like the very beginning again. You you almost feel like, my God, uh, that's where you're at, when in fact those people really haven't been the beneficiaries of all the thinking you've been doing and all the learning you've been doing for the last little bit. So it's kind of easy to uh, lose track of that. I don't know if that's coming in in your place or not.
1: Oh, I think so, for sure. I think that it's I think this is a really hard stage because we want it to be so systematic that it's running you know like if if I weren't there or if our team wasn't even there it would it would keep on going and um, I think maybe we thought that it would be at a different point that but you're right, we forget that well, they haven't had any of it you know, any of the training that we've had. And we need to figure out how to be supportive and get to that point so that people can feel successes as well. And it's not just kind of the team feeling that success uh, and, and them feeling confident with it and and seeing, again, like we spend so much time sharing success and going over what we said and celebrating different things and, and figuring out how to do that as a whole, as a whole school as well. And again in those systems I just know people really appreciate having knowing what step do I do and what um where do I go for this next support or where do I find this paperwork so just making sure that we're we have that better you know a
0: better outlook like that. Mhm. What are you going to do with the folks who are either brand new to it? And the truth is even the building where collaborative problem solving is hitting on all cylinders People leave, and new staff come. So this is a uh, circumstance that is typical, not not unusual. In your building, it happens to be that you've got people who've been getting good at it and a bunch of people who've really gotten very little of it so far, and so you're going back to the beginning with a whole bunch of them. But um, you're going to have new people in your building every year. How do you... Bring them along is a major issue because, let's face it, the, uh, you know, maybe 20 years from now we might be saying something differently, maybe 10 years from now if we were really being optimistic, but the likelihood is that new people who come into your building aren't going to be familiar with collaborative problem solving and are going to be doing things a different way as it relates to student discipline. And so um, the bad news is I'm not sure you ever get to coast when you're implementing right. collaborative problem solving.
1: Yep, right. And
0: if there's a different administration, or,
1: to, sorry. Right. I always think too, what if there was a different administration, or you know, we have different superintendents. We have different, always people coming in and out, and how to keep that as as best practice and to educate new people you know but i think the website is a perfect way that's what i've always been telling people that are new to it or you know, even my intern who's with me i just you know the website is has so much information you can get lost for days and days and weeks just listening to the different podcasts and information i i think that is such a helpful way to kind of go up
0: to speed and i have um i have good news and bad news given that you said that you could get lost on the website <laughs> The number of videos on the website are about to double.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Um, That's
0: a good kind of lost. (laughs) That's a a good kind of lost, but there's um, much more coming in the next week or two, including video of the first annual Lives in the Balance conference on collaborative problem solving that took place in Augusta about two months ago. We are finally about to get that uh, video up so that people can feel like they were at the conference, even if they weren't at the conference. And so uh, the video is about to double. And the whole goal, of course, of the website and this radio program is to give people free resources so that they can implement collaborative problem solving in their buildings and in their homes. So there you go. What what are you going to do with the folks who are um, just getting introduced to collaborative problem solving now?
2: I think it's important to to connect them with a mentor, so um, someone who is – fairly proficient and comfortable and and has bought into the theory and and understands the purposes and and some of the pitfalls with um, with using it and that way if issues come up in their classroom um you know they've got a sounding board someone to uh, to talk it over with to maybe model demonstrate the process with the student um to kind of go to when things aren't going well or if if the conversation goes sideways and um, you know sometimes i know with uh, with my staff a lot of times i mean i have some people who are really open to you know walking into my office and saying you know oh this kids drive me crazy but a lot of people are kind of i don't know why reticent to to admit to their administrators that they're having difficulties that they don't know how to handle hmm. so i try to be you know i'm i am the model in my building for people who you know seek help and and say i'm not perfect and i'm trying to learn something new and and you know i'm i'm always talking about the, the different times in my career, even, even currently with, you know, when I do something, I, I'm, I take a misstep with a student or, or say the wrong thing and, and have to go back and apologize and repair the relationship. And um, So having another staff member, preferably maybe close to the same grade level or someone who is who is comfortable with it, that they can just go to and it's safe and there won't be any judgment calls made, um, I think would be a really important part of it.
0: And, Carol, Diana raised an interesting um, point that... Um, I thought I might ask you about. How How are you going to make sure? There's there's two interesting things that got raised. Carol, you raised one of them, and that is that you are at the moment the go-to person on collaborative problem solving. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to start with a different question. How are you going to make sure that collaborative problem solving lives in your building even after you're no longer in your building?
2: (laughs) That's the question I ask
0: myself every day, too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, it's difficult making t- really establishing something in the culture of a school. I mean, re- reality-wise, the the lifespan of an administrator in a school in our district is 3 to 5 years. So, okay. I'm halfway through year 2 and um, you know, it's it's difficult depending on on um, you know, how how quick to adopt things your staff is. I I don't know the answer to that right now. I I feel like Honestly, if I were to leave now, it probably wouldn't. To be perfectly yeah. honest, just because yeah. it hasn't had the chance to really go through that that process of, you know, you've got your early adopters, and then, you know, you've got a few more people that get interested. And and while, you know, in general, our school is working on social emotional um, well being of our students is a huge school goal because of of the 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 type of environment that our many of our students live in. Um, it's it's and we're and we're coming at that from various angles i think collaborative problem solving for you know as from the administrator's point of view being the person who does get a lot of the serious disciplinary issues referred to me um sometimes teachers feel like it is really just within my domain so i you know i'm hoping i do have a couple of people who you know have have taken it to heart um I hope that they would, and a couple of them have taken leadership roles within the school. But uh, it's it's difficult because when there are strong strong personalities as well who who haven't bought in, um, yeah. I, I honestly, to tell you right now, I I don't know that it would. But um, my goal is to is to, you know, get get enough people believing in it and and comfortable using it that um, they can make, take the leadership role with whatever new administration were to come in.
0: So Nina, if you um, left, or if your principal left, would collaborative problem solving live on in your building?
1: I think if I left, it would continue on in my in my building because of our team. But I think that it would be really hard to live on with an administrator that wasn't supportive, because it all it comes down to those those office visits and. Sort of that that discipline system. If you don't have someone who's on board, I just I think that would be really difficult. Like I, I mean, I still think it would be really, really worthwhile, and I think you would still be helping so many children. But that's that that's so pivotal um, to have that support. So it, that would be that would be hard. I, I mean, ideally, whoever, if any, if my principal ever did leave, that would be you know part of the Criteria for someone coming in is you would be looking through through the lens of that in interviews, and this this is so important to our school and it's so important to the to a lot of us that I think that would be you know I I think that would be really important and ingrained that that's what we're looking for.
0: You know, I'm reflecting on an inpatient unit that I sometimes still consult to that has been implementing collaborative problem solving for a very long time. And one of the people who's been the driving force, the person who was the driving force on making that happen, is the nurse manager on that unit. Um, But I also know that she says that if, and this is a unit that has spent most of the last eight to nine years uh, largely restraint and seclusion free. So... Uh, free of locked door seclusion, and largely free of physical, chemical, and mechanical restraint. Um, And um, there was um, a time when somebody came onto the unit and was recommending that a kid be restrained and that a kid be forcibly made to do something. And the nurse manager told me that almost to a person, her staff let it be known that they would quit before they had to oh, do right. that stuff again. Yeah. And so I guess that story says to me possibly, and I, I find that this is true, I know some of the staff in your building, and I know that they are going to do collaborative problem-solving the rest of their lives. Absolutely. And that even without your principal, which would make it much harder, or perhaps yeah. without you, which would make it hard because you've been – one of the driving forces in your building, especially as it relates to somebody who can give people advice on how to do Plan B, at which you are stellar at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, There's people in your building who are going to keep doing collaborative problem solving uh, no matter what happens in your building. Yeah. Um, Well, it's a whole different change. It's always interesting. Building-wide does depend quite a bit on the leader, Within individual teachers, my experience is that once people get good at Plan B, there's no looking back.
1: Exactly. I can't see any of my team members ever going back.
2: It really just, I mean, it feels right to yourself because you're not in a power struggle with students. You're not going home at the end of the day pulling your hair out. Um, It just feels like it's such a respectful and and compassionate, I think is the word that you use, Nina. Way to to work with children that, um, I I think once, like you said, once once you've been doing it, um, you just can't see any other way. What I was just thinking about, um, as you were talking was, um, I need to build the skill set of my staff more, and I realized that you know, in, in as much as I've I've demonstrated and done some 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 um actual professional development i need to do more and that's i think the direction that i need to go in in order to you've really kind of lit a fire <laughs> under me today that you know i time times a ticking and i can't uh, i can't sit back and and allow the school to slide back into the, the the children here deserve better and uh i i'm really quite uh quite concerned now now that we've been discussing this that that if i were to go even mm. within the next couple of years that that it would be such a disservice to the kids here. They deserve better. So, you've you've lit the fire now, and I'm going to uh, pursue that. I think more actively in in terms of building the skill set of the staff here, whether whether they're bought into it or not. Just continue to make it a priority and uh, and just keep saying this is the way that that our school is 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 going to function in terms of of uh, working with students with some extreme behavioral difficulties. There, I've said was, it out loud uh, on the radio. That's, that's good. good.
0: <laughs> and now, you've, now it's it's like um, doing it in blood, right? You've done it all, yeah, right.
2: and,
0: and it'll be yeah. posted on the Lives in the Balance website, and it'll live forever in the in cyber space. People So will
2: be, people will be well, phoning you think, "Have you done it yet?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: exactly right. I was talking to a, uh, an educator on the phone today who works in a school, and he's the Plan B guy in his building. And one of the things we were talking about is people when they ask him about Plan B, they'll say to him, what should I do when? And I stopped him on the word when. Because when puts people in emergent mode. Mm -hmm. And the question we really want them asking is, what should I do before?
2: But the (laughs) point that I think,
0: uh, you know, so long as, what I said to him was, so long as he is the go-to guy on Plan B, then people will always be asking when Amazing. because there's so much missing from the picture. If, if they're asking when, then they probably haven't had a discussion yet with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems as the discussion guide. Probably haven't done that yet. So they haven't been engaged in that discussion. They haven't yet participated in the process of figuring out what uh, individual students' lagging skills are or what an individual student's unsolved problems are. So their lenses may not have changed because that's what the lagging skill discussion does for them, and they may not know what they're even working on yet. That's what the discussion of unsolved problems does for us. But identifying highly specific unsolved problems also helps people realize that the very vast majority of challenging episodes in schools are highly predictable. And until they go through that process they frequently are going to keep asking the question what should i do when um yep. because they haven't participated in the process of moving from when what should i do when to what should i do before yet um so there's a big part of helping other people do this besides you is um helping them participate in that process where they're starting to use the language of lagging skills, starting to view the world through the prism of unsolved problems and starting to think about what am I gonna do before that pops up again, because almost every unsolved problem, every unsolved problem I've written in on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems is by definition highly predictable, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to write it in on there. Otherwise, you stay in the when business.
2: Right, and you're just right. reactive, reactive, reactive. And yeah. I think that
0: mm-hmm. almost every school has the go-to person for discipline, mm-hmm. and it's always when, not before.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sorry I interrupted right. one of you.
1: No, I think that's, that's where I would love to help people have more confidence in doing the proactive Plan B's on their own, with some support um, so that they're not waiting for the next, the next emergent um, plan B and then getting frustrated with, you know, with time. And, um, you know, that's where we're, I'm just really excited to try to do that more where you can just empower people to to try it out and that they can't really mess it up. And it's, it's never a waste of time to spend time talking to a child and figuring, you know, just listening. And even if they're just being empathetic and in that first stage, it's, it's worth trying it out. And so, we have an amazing have, staff where, you know they're all so they're so skilled. I know everyone um could do it. So just give them that confidence.
0: All right, so Nina and then Carol we're going to we're going to do this with you simultaneously. Nina, you ready to take the school discipline survey? Oh, sure. You ready? we yep. we're going to we're going we're gonna to figure out and this is the beauty of the School Discipline Survey on the Lives and the Balance website. If you've been doing collaborative problem solving for a while, then this tells you what still needs to be done. Ready? Okay. okay. Number one, my school relies very heavily on adult-imposed consequences, such as detentions, suspensions, paddling, and other punishments in responding to challenging behavior. Nina? No. Carol? No. <laughs> Outstanding you guys are well <laughs> on your way. Number 2. <laughs> one one. In my school, classroom uh, Carol, you might be this might be dicey for you. In okay. my school, classroom teachers frequently send students to someone outside the classroom, for example, the principal or assistant principal to deal with behavior problems. Nina?
1: I would say no, not the majority.
0: Carol? Ooh,
2: depends on the on the person.
0: Okay. So that might be an area of if 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 kids are sending, if uh, staff are sending the kid to somebody outside the classroom, that is frequently a sign that collaborative problem solving hasn't spread well enough
2: yes. or,
0: or that the school just has a um, designated disciplinarian um, mm-hmm. and everybody's sending their problems out of their classroom. This came yeah. up over the weekend at a talk that I was doing in Cincinnati that the the, the I don't remember what the question was, but I guess the point that I was making is, um, so long as people are in the habit of sending a kid out, then how can the principal or assistant principal do collaborative problem solving all the way through? The most the assistant principal or principal can do is the empathy step, Right. because right. you're missing somebody very important, the the student True. dance partner, the, the person <laughs> yep. the student was having the problem with in the first place. Yeah. Ready for number three, yep, there's a big one
1: okay. in meetings
0: about students with behavioral challenges, discussions focus primarily on behaviors rather than on lagging skills and unsolved problems. Nina
1: uh I think we're I don't think so anymore. I think we really we try to stay on the on the lagging skills so i'm gonna i'm gonna say no, but of course, there are always moments and including. Myself, where we kind of forget that, but it's where we
2: always are headed, Carol um I'd say it's about fifty fifty um depending on who's present at the meeting <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: and by the way i've been i I listen to so many people's recordings of meetings, and even in people who I'm training directly, it is so hard to stay on lagging skills and unsolved problems and Um, Now, you know, sometimes I give them some tips on what to say, and one of the things I tell them that they could say in a meeting where people are sliding into talking about behaviors is, okay, now I know what he's doing. What we're trying to figure out is why, lagging skills, and when, unsolved problems, he's doing it.
1: Yeah.
0: Ready for number four? Yep. I'm having fun. I don't know if you guys are. (laughs) (laughs) Terms such as manipulative attention seeking unmotivated coercive, and limit testing are frequently used to describe students with behavioral challenges Nina uh
1: I would not say frequently i you know definitely by the uh core team that is that's easy to, to not be using those terms but i still i think that is a hard uh, a hard one for you know for other people. So I would
0: say and, 50-50 for that one. And that, that simply tells you that who you've missed. Yeah. This is, this is the beauty of it, is that the, the beauty of this survey is that in, in a school that's never even contemplated collaborative problem solving, it tells them just how much work lies ahead. But in a school that's been implementing it, it tells you who you've missed. Carol, what's, what's your take on that in your building?
2: I would say no. Um, we do look a lot um at our students at what's behind it some people tend no, I wouldn't say 10 but some people have trouble see, seeing that finding reasons is not an excuse we're not looking for excuses um but we do we do look a lot at the challenges that students are bringing with them so there isn't a lot of blaming like that
1: mm-hmm. I think sometimes it depends on the student. You know, for everybody, sometimes you have just that one student where someone might say, well, me," you know, you might question that language with one, and then we work hard at bringing each other back because it doesn't make any sense that it would be, you know, that we would see it through a different lens except for just a few, so we we support each other in that. But that's a continuous just reflection and pulling it back.
0: <laughs> Ready for number five? Our yep. functional behavior assessments focus on how a student's challenging behaviors are working to enable him or her to get, escape, and avoid rather than on the fact that the behaviors communicate that the student is lacking the skills to respond more adaptively? Do your FBAs focus on get, escape, and avoid, or do your FBAs focus primarily on lagging skills?
1: That, that's hard for us because our FBAs are always done by contracted people. So oh, no
0: kidding. That's interesting.
1: Yep. yep so they're, they're always different, but I've hardly seen an FBA that doesn't talk about avoidance and secondary gains. So I would say we're still at that language because we don't do our own.
0: Well, isn't that interesting that you've got this whole collaborative problem-solving thing being done <laughs> in your building, yep. and yet this – Potentially very useful, informative assessment process is done by people on the outside who may know nothing about collaborative problem solving at all.
1: Right, and it's always somebody different, so it's oh it's, my goodness, you can't predict. You know, you can't really um, predict anything or have a conversation beforehand. It's you know, it's mm-hmm. a contracted service. So, geez,
0: wow. Yep. Okay. So, Carol, yep. what's your take on that one? Um, I actually, I
2: don't uh, do a lot of FBA um, when the only time that we really do that is um, during the referral to student support services process, and we have something that's that's called a, a problem behavior questionnaire, which is kind of like a very um, simplistic kind of um, survey that a teacher would identify a particular problem behavior, such as not listening to teacher directions or, or having conflict with peers, and then just go through thinking about that particular behavior. At the end, it does say, you know, well, now that you've done that, are they trying to, you know, you add up a score, and it is escape and and avoidance. But the only time we use it is just it's a piece of paper that's required to to submit a referral. So
0: um, I, I find that it's much more popular in the state than Canada. Yeah, yeah, F- yeah F- we, we F- fill boom.
2: it out, but we don't put a lot of stock in it. <laughs> Not a big it's one year. of those.
0: You know, I'm always telling people to distinguish between the paperwork they gotta do, and yeah. the, the paperwork that they actually think would be meaningful because they're not always the exact same thing. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, <laughs> <confusing>. <laughs> ready for number six? Yeah.
0: yeah. The yeah. philosophy guiding our thinking about behaviorally challenging kids is: kids do all if they want to, rather than kids do all if they can.
1: Mhm. So um, I think I we're, we're definitely. We're, <laughs> We're, We're on kids do well if they can. I think that is one that
2: um, we are all in agreement at our school, which is wonderful.
0: I agree. Carol?
2: Yeah, I'm a, I'm probably about 60% of the staff believes that. Um, there's still some people who feel that, that kids are, you know, just choosing to and they need more consequences to make them. More, more with the older students. I think maybe amongst the younger students, the understanding that it's skills-based is much more common, but with older students, a lot of uh, staff members feel like, well, they should know by now um, and have the skills to do it, so now they're just choosing
0: not to do the right thing. I've always thought that was very sad, very sad that we become less compassionate and less enlightened the older kids get.
2: Yeah, and we're talking about, I mean, when we're talking about older students, they're 10. 10, 11, oh. that's not to me. Exactly. That's that's a, that's still a young child, right? They're
0: still little. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're still well, little. you know what? My attitude is kids do all if they can applies to adults too. So I don't even it's limit absolutely the application of that philosophy to um to to children, small or large. My yep. grandmother is going to turn a hundred this week, and she does all <laughs> if she can.
1: Exactly. I, I I think that's so so true. And if you think about your own self and. you know, I think that it helps to bring that lens again.
0: Sometimes I wonder if our politicians do well if they can, but I appreciate the fact that they may be lacking some crucial skills in the collaboration (laughs) department. Uh, Shall we move on to number seven? (laughs) (laughs) They're they're too into power and posturing. And, um, you know, I saw this phrase, it reminded me of, you know, we've got uh, the American uh, presidential primary processes in full swing. Yeah. And the quote that I saw in the newspaper the other day that really grabbed me is somebody saying that they wanted to nominate the Republican uh, for the candidate who would be the most likely to—and here's the word—capture the White House. And I was thinking okay. to myself, capture the White House? Capture? My goodness, what? A, this is like a war here. This is—you know—we are. Uh, have we become wow. to the point where we are talking about the White House in terms of a piece of territory that we're capturing? That was fascinating. It's a battle. It's a battle. Anyway. What that it's up right and apparently apparently, you win not if you have the skills to work together with people, but only if you've trashed the other side so much that you've uh, gotten the vote. It's fascinating. I'm sure Canada has something similar to that oh yeah that. We're,
2: we're no angels up here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have our own Number
0: 7, ready?
2: <laughs> yeah. In
0: responding? Oh, this is a big one. In responding to challenges of don't think this is going to be true either. In responding to challenging behaviors, the school relies heavily on a rubric system, a list of behaviors students mustn't exhibit and an algorithm for how adults should respond to those behaviors if they are exhibited. Carol? Mm, no. Nina? No, no rubric. No. No, no rubric. Guys, Unfortunately, that's
2: that's what some staff members get frustrated with me about is that there isn't a if student does A then B will occur and uh, yeah. and I just won't go there.
1: Yep, I was interested about that, Carol. Like what you, if you do as being the principal, do you do you get some pushback for that for not having a rubric and some and
2: um, some set consequences. When they send their kids up to you a, a little bit, yeah, a little bit to be honest yeah. with you um yeah. i've had I've had people come to me with a copy of our schools. We do have a school code of conduct it's a it's a provincial requirement that every school have a code of conduct that addresses certain things like bullying behavior discrimination, weapons, things like that um but the the consequences are not spelled out in it. it's just these are okay. these are. These are not tolerated in school, so things like you know yeah. weapons and possession of drugs and things like that. Um, and so they, they come to me with it and say, this is a serious offense and it should have a level three consequence. And I said, we don't have a level three consequence. Um, I'm yeah. going to meet with the student. I'd like you to be there with them. And, and so with that particular in that situation, we ended up having a CPS conference with the two teachers who work with the student, her parent, herself, and me, and went through the CPS process, which I thought... Was excellent and wow. actually, I've seen a great difference in the in the student. Apparently, the teacher afterwards went to the uh, partner teacher and said, "Well, that was kind of a waste of time." But what uh-huh. I've seen is because I didn't give consequences, but what I've actually seen like a huge improvement, improvement. in the student's attitude. So, yeah. um, just seeing that she was being heard and and understood made a huge difference to her. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> no, that's
1: it. I just think that is such a challenge of an administrator yeah. because as a counselor, I can often kind of just. You know, I can say, well that's not that's not my role, but I do feel right. like that's a harder struggle, a struggle for an administrator.
2: Yeah. I think yeah we but that's where you kind of just have to stand firm and say, I'm not going to do that. Um I can't yeah. defend that position. It's not gonna work. And
0: yeah. you know. I think we, we have been joined. See
2: problems. Yeah.
0: I think we've been joined by Tom. Tom oh. Maybe not. Tom? Sorry. Tom, we missed you, man. I missed you, man. I, I, My son snagged his knee on a nail on the playground today. Aww. So I had You've to run and go get excuse. him. got very distracted by that whole business, let me tell you.
1: I bet. He's fine.
0: He's fine.
2: That's had, well, so
0: we're, we're going to exclude you from our school discipline survey, only because we only have four items left and only three minutes left. So we're going to go into okay. the next okay. round on the school discipline survey. Ready? Yep. There are there are many frequent flyers in the schools. Students whose behavior has not improved despite frequent exposure to the school discipline program. Carol,
2: I would say no because I would say all of the students that I work with, I've seen improvement. It might not be rapid or huge, but I can say that all the students that I've worked with and and use CPS with, I've, we've seen improvement
1: because
2: of the relationship.
1: Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. It might not always look like that to other people, but we celebrate the small successes. So,
0: and Tom, I was joking about the excluding. What's your answer? <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, um, the the again the, the what you said previously, the kids do well if they can, and, and it's definitely working. That philosophy with regard to the discipline, we don't have a rubric and we don't use it. Ready. We've got two minutes left in our lightning round, and quite frankly, okay. only a minute and a half left out. So what does that mean? Number nine, <laughs> the problems precipitating challenging student-challenging behavior seem to occur again and again without ever durably solved. Nina? No.
2: Carol? Okay. Uh, with, a, with a couple of students in particular situations where we haven't managed to get the wedge of CPS in.
0: Tom? No. And here's what I'm thinking. We only have a minute left. I'm going to save our last two items on the school discipline survey until our educators panel. Um, Tom, I'm very sorry that we were not the beneficiaries of your wisdom today, but there's always next month. Thank you. Sorry. I'm sorry about your son's knee, and yeah. I hope he's Okay. He's fine. Thank you. Nina and Carol, thank you for your wisdom today. Um, I thought it was a fun program. We, Even without Tom, we covered some interesting ground, and we can revisit some of these things next time we have Tom with us. Um, so thank sure. you both for being on the educators panel today.
1: Sure. Thank you. Our pleasure.
0: On that note, we're going to call it a day. Thanks to all of those of you who listened in today, either live or to the recorded version. And the educators panel will be back again next month. I'll be back with another edition of Collaborative Problem Solving in School next week. Talk to you then.